Welcome back to After the Buzzer Sports Talk, and I'm your host, Aiden Mayer. Alright guys, welcome back for another episode. Uh, in today's episode, uh, it's going to be all football, but not all NFL. Uh, first, I want to break down some college football, the Alabama versus LSU game. It was a very good game. Uh, I know it was a big game, too. I didn't really get to a lot of college football this year. And I I'm, I want to come out, I think, after this week, I want to do some rankings. So I want to get a little more into college football. Uh, and we're going to break down that game. It was a big game. Uh, so one player that I really, really like, and it's not a quarterback. And I'm not Joe Burrow or anybody. One guy that really caught my attention. And I want to really get to him as well. But just overall the game. And then I'm going to get to my biggest takeaways from every game in the NFL this week. Uh, Big Week 10 had a lot of good games. I'm going to get to my biggest takeaways from all those games. So first, I'm going to break down the Alabama versus LSU game. So let's get to that. So the big game in college football over the weekend. Really, everybody said this is going to be the game of the year. Game of the year right here. We had the 8-0 Alabama Crimson Tide facing the 8-0 LSU Tigers. This was a Huge game. People think these are the top two teams in the nation. I know Ohio State was ranked number one going into this week, but essentially these were, in most people's opinion, the top two teams in college football. And this was, you know, it's the old Alabama-LSU rivalry, but this one was big because, you know, usually it's Alabama and Clemson are the top two teams. Usually, you know, Alabama's a top two team. LSU's not. LSU is always a good football team, can always give Bama a fight, but this year they're even better, especially with you know, Joe Burrow. I mean, most quarterbacks die in LSU. Joe Burrow has done the opposite. He's really thrived. He's probably been the best quarterback in college football this year. Uh, but this was just, I mean, LSU, Alabama, it was a very good game. It was what was advertised. And sometimes you get some of these games that are advertised to be really good, and they disappoint. But this is one of those games that you knew it was going to be good, and it didn't disappoint. There were mistakes made by both teams, uh, and there were some very good plays by made by both teams as well. But Alabama really, what killed them was their start. Because uh, they played a very good second half, but their start killed them. They, you know, I know they had the, they had the extra point. They blocked the extra point. Uh, that would have made it 17 to seven, but they blocked that extra point. They had the punt return touchdown, but they had some big time mistakes in this game uh, that really ended up costing them in the end. Uh, one, I think, was um, the extra, uh, the missed extra point, not the extra. St- yeah, you get my point. I know you blocked one, but then the next drive you go down and score and miss the extra point, so you know it basically balances out. Like, that play is now diminished. Uh, and then you also, you muffed the punt. Like, a, not muffed the punt, but um, you snap, you it was a miscue on the snap with the punt. Your punter fumbled it, and then LSU got good field position. Another one, Tua tag on um, first drive. Tua fumbles the ball. I'm not even going to try to say his last name. Tag of, I don't even want to mess it up. Not that I don't know who Tua is. I've been watching him all year. At, you know, NFL, one of the top prospects. But I just don't want to say it. I'm just going to call him Tua. To a fumbles in the red zone. Alabama went and marched down. They could have got off to a 7-0 start. Uh, and I know that was third and goal, and Tua probably wouldn't have scored there, but that's at least three points. Instead of taking three, possibly even seven points, all the momentum gets sucked away onto LSU's side. Instead of just getting, you know, all right, they're three nothing, getting off to a nice little start. Instead, you fumble the ball and you get no points, give LSU a lot of momentum. Yeah, it's not great field position, but they made the most of it and went down and scored. Alabama just got down in this game too early. 
Uh, I know it was only 10-7 by the end of the first quarter, but LSU was still up by three, and they were clearly winning. And But the second quarter was really the killer, 23-6 to in the second quarter. Uh, there were costly mistakes. Like, for example, at, at 21 seconds left, Alabama's at their own 28-yard line. Tua throws a pick. You can't do that, especially in this game. That's going to come down to a matter of, you know, kicks. Or There were so many mistakes in this game made by both teams, like clear mistakes that I can think of, just, you know, fumbles, interceptions, just things like that. I mean, missed extra points, missed field goals, just – I don't really think there were any missed field goals. Maybe one. Uh, There's so many. In college football, it's hard, especially with these games, like 46 to 41. It feels like there's so much. It's just back and forth, back and forth. There's so much that goes in. It's hard to remember every single play. But the second quarter is really killer. And Alabama, at this point, I've already been outscored. Uh, let me do the quick math. My head, 16 to 6 in that quarter. So they had already been outscored 16-6. It wasn't a great second quarter. They get the ball. And I don't blame Nick Saban for wanting to push it downfield. You're saying you're sitting there saying this. LSU is going to start with the ball at the second half. They've been tough to stop. We're already down by 13 points. They're down 26-13 to 13 at this point. Let's try to push something. I have confidence in Tua. This is a great offense. At least we can get three points and make a one-score game, you know, rather than not capitalizing here. And But this was really killer. Like, I don't know what play I could go back. There are multiple plays that I could really go back, highlight in yellow. This costs you the game for Bama. This is one that definitely could because you think about it, they only lost by five points here, right? So if they only lost by five points, they ended up scoring on the drive LSU. So Bama's looking at this. They're saying, all right, worst case scenario. Here's a worst case scenario, Tua. We don't score, and but you keep the ball. Just the only thing you can't do is don't give LSU the ball. Our goal is to score at least three points here, but if you don't score, at least just keep on hanging on to the ball. It's the worst case scenario, though. Again, Nick Saban has trust in that offense. I don't blame him. You know, you're down by 13. LSU could easily, you know, if you don't do anything here, LSU could easily make it a 20 point game. You don't want that. But still, Alabama's down uh, now all of a sudden at the half, they're down 33 to 13. You're down by 20 points now. And he's just saying, listen, we got to clean up. We got to play better fundamentally and we got to execute a little better because right now it's just mistakes. They're capitalizing on them too. You know, we fumble in the end uh, on our own um, and their red zone and they take advantage of that, pounce us while we're weak and score a touchdown. We muffle punt uh, and I feel like they kicked the field goal on that one. Uh, not a muffed punt. I keep saying that. We mishandles a punt. Uh, we throw a pick. They go on and score a touchdown. So just these mistakes that Alabama doesn't usually make. Alabama's basically the Patriots. I'm a Patriots fan. I'm not trying to brag, but they are a well executed. You know, they execute very well. That in the second half, I give Alabama credit because they played really well. Alabama beat LSU in that uh, second half. The third quarter was probably the dullest quarter of the game. Uh, Alabama went in, kind of shut down LSU. They forced that turnover on Joe Burrow, uh, and they only scored seven points, which was kind of like uh, you got to at least score ten there. I think in that position, your defense really stepped up. You're down by twenty points. You've got to, you know, they narrowed it down to a thirteen point game. So now all of a sudden, after the third quarter, we've got a game, but you just come on. Uh, and that, but the guy that I really want to get to, Clyde Edwards Hilaire. This is the guy. He I don't know how to say Hilaire Hilaire. I don't know. But this guy caught my attention big time. He reminds me of a Darren Sproles slash Austin Eckler, a guy who's 
he's 5'8", 209 pounds. They're very small, but they're guys, you know, they don't wow you with their speed. Yeah, Darren Sproles is pretty fast, but this guy, Clyde, here's my thing with Edwards Hilaire. Very small dude. He's He's got a solid build to him, uh, but he reminds me of Austin Eckler and uh, Darren Sproles. He's not the fastest but this guy, boy, he's strong. He can jump. You saw him at the goal line. That guy just jumped like six feet. Like, he's just strong, and he can jump. He's breaking a ton of tackles. He's very good in open space. He was catching passes. So far, here are stats on the season. He's a junior, by the way. He has 135 rushing attempts for 786 yards. It's 5.8 yards per carry. Not too shabby at all for 11 rushing touchdowns. Uh, he's got 28 receptions for 202 yards and a touchdown. Which means he averages 7.2 yards a catch. He's pretty good. I like him. Last year, he had 146 attempts for 658 yards. So, it, you know, that's he had well, 11 more attempts last season than he does at this point this season. Still had less yards and four less touchdowns. So, it's clear. I mean, this guy's getting much better. If I am in NFL, it, I, he, he's making it to the NFL. He's got to. If, he, if he's not in the NFL, I haven't done my uh, scouting outside of really – so I haven't really done much scouting. I know a few of the names, but let me look up. Uh, 2020 NFL draft big board. NFL big board running backs. I want to see if he's on it because I think this guy could definitely make it to the league and get drafted this year. This year. Uh, I, I, I'm see, I don't think he's on the level of uh, the guy from Clemson, Travis uh, Etienne. I don't, I don't know how to say his name. And Jonathan Taylor, obviously. I love Jonathan Taylor. Uh, but... This is just giving me just a ton of names. So uh, I don't know all these. Cause I haven't done a lot of uh, research. Like I, I heard of some of these guys, but uh, I don't see them on the top 10, which is, I guess, understandable. But I'm like sixth, seventh round. I try to snag this guy. He's got a great heart. I mean, from what I heard, he's got a great work ethic. Like everyone put him down and he just kept fighting. And I love this kid, though. If I'm an NFL GM, I'm not big on picking running backs early, personally, unless I'm a bad franchise that needs to make a flashy move and I need a big-time playmaker on my offense. But overall, I'm not the type that goes out and gets a big-time running back. Me, personally, no. I like a system. A system of just cheaper running backs. I can put on multiple guys, depending on the scheme. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, again, not the fastest, but he's got a good build to him. He can break a ton of tackles, just like Austin Eckler. Uh, and Darren Sproles, just because the size, his ability to just athleticism, kind of like Austin Eckler. Honestly, Eckler and Sproles are pretty similar. Again, small guys that have been kind of underestimated their whole careers and can catch the ball out of the backfield. Uh, Darren Sproles is pretty fast. So is Eckler. Edward Tiller, n- not that fast. But he, he's got a good build to him. He can, he's got a good vertical. He breaks a lot of tackles as well in open space and catch the ball out of the backfield. I like this kid a lot. And I know that was just one very good game, and I doubt he'll play. It's probably going to be the game of his life. Unless he makes it to the NFL as one or two maybe better games. But, I mean, it's hard to compete. He rushed for over 100 yards and three touchdowns. He also caught a touchdown as well, caught nine catches, passes for 77 yards. He looked very productive out of the backfield yesterday. I don't know if – Overall, as a player, again, this is the, literally the only time I've ever really watched this kid. So, but no, Joe Burrow, especially, he looked really good. He outplayed Tua. My big thing with Tua was here's my thing. Like, if you really go back and watch the film, when I watched, he didn't do this every time. He so he threw for over 400 yards and four touchdowns. Really, he didn't play that well. Uh, but 
This kid's got a good arm. He's accurate. He can throw it downfield. Tua's got a lot of potential. He can avoid. He can stretch out plays in the pocket. He can scramble. I like Tua. I think he's got a lot of talent. But my thing is with him, like he's got Jerry Judy. He's got um, what's his face, Devonta Smith. He's even you know he's got some of these guys. And my big problem with him is he has such a talented receiving core. But when I watch him, he'll snap the ball. And he'll only look to one side of the field. Like, he doesn't scan the field. Like, I don't see a ton of scanning before pre-snap, uh, like, trying to read the defense very well. Like, I, I just don't see it. And when he goes and snaps the ball, he really only looks one way. Like, he has one or two options. Like, it's like he's got four, you know, guys running routes on the play. You know, two go to the left, two go to the right. He'll look to the right. It's like the two guys on the left don't exist. Like, he's totally eliminated them. It's like Cam Newton is rookie year. It's not necessarily a bad thing because young quarterbacks sometimes struggle reading defenses, and they really just kind of eliminate half the play and just say, I'm just going to make it a simple read and only focus on, you know, one or two wide receivers here. That's fine. Cam Newton did that in his rookie year uh, with the Carolina Panthers, I believe. That's what I heard was he, you know, struggling reading defenses, so they made it simple for him and just said, every play, just go out and read one you know, read two routes and just try to make a read there. Totally eliminate the other side of the play, but he doesn't even look their way, at least. Maybe something opened up that you didn't see before, because I don't see him scanning the field. That's my big thing with him. Like, I look for the little things in quarterbacks. Like, you can have, like, Tua, you can have the athleticism, escape the pocket. I'm going to check that down in my notebook, because that's that's big thing. But the little things, like, how do you do in the two-minute drill? Can you handle the pressure? Uh can you read de- – how well do you read defenses? Like, you know a guy that I really like is Will Greer. Uh, he's got a strong arm. He's with the Carolina Panthers. Everyone says, yeah, Cam Newton and Kyle Allen. What about the guy they drafted in the third round, Will Greer? Will Greer and Kyle Allen are both rookies. Kyle Allen went undrafted. Will Greer went in the third round. Clearly, Allen seems to be the better bet so far, but Greer still got some potential there. He came out of college already being able to read defenses, run the two-minute drill. He carries himself with a lot of confidence, just things like that I really look at. Like, you can have all the intangibles and all that, but Tua, to me, it doesn't look like he really reads the defense that well, and he doesn't scan the field. He really only keeps his eyes one direction. The thing about that also is NFL defenses, they're going to pounce on that all day, reading a rookie quarterback's eyes. So my, that's my thing with Tua. I ju- he just doesn't read the field very well. That's at least from what I've seen. Again, I need the full scouting report. I haven't done a ton of scouting. I'm focused on this NFL season. I've been watching some college football. Haven't really done too much scouting. Like, I, I see some of these players here and there and just kind of use the eye test off of one or two games I've seen them play. I'm not saying I've seen a good amount of Tua. He's on Alabama. They're on TV a lot. But that's my big thing with him. Uh, I mean, there are a few other things. Like, that pick wasn't great, but it's one bad decision. But I think NFL defenses are going to pounce on the fact that he only looks one side of the field. And he can afford to do that because he's got such talented receivers. Like, Jerry Judy's the best receiver in college football. Some may, uh say C.D. Lamb. That's fine. But I think it's Jerry Judy. Uh, and Devonta Smith, he's pretty good, too. Uh, he's pretty good. So the, he's just got these playmakers that are really good, and they get open, so he just stares them down, and they're better than whoever's on them. Like Jerry Judy, no one's going to be better than Jerry Judy that's covering. Devonta Smith, I mean, yeah, maybe a few guys, but for the most part, he can just stare them down, wait for them to get open, and throw it. Like, he, that's how it works. He might get sacked every once in a while, but that's my big problem. Like, it's not going – he's not going to have – 
two of the best receivers in college football, uh, you know, facing college football secondaries and, you know, defenses. When it gets to the pros, odds are he's going to start his career with a bad team that doesn't have a great receiving core, and now he's going to face NFL defenses, and I just don't think it's going to go well at the start if, if this continues. It's just something I picked up on, and I just ranted about it. But anyway, that is my breakdown on the LSU-Alabama game. Again, I want to get more in college football. I want to understand it more because I always have, and I'll get to, like, you know, when college football playoffs come around. But I realize there hasn't been a ton I've wanted to talk about on the podcast. Like, yeah, there are things, but do I really want to, you know, talk about it? Would it really make for an interesting segment? If I do more college football, I think uh, I could make it work. I know college, uh, basketball started. I want to get a little more into the college sports, especially basketball and uh, football. Uh, I always go watch – I've watched – been to, like, a ton of college hockey games, but I don't know if I could cover that. But college football and college basketball, I want to – especially right now, college football. College basketball is just starting. I really get into March Madness. But eh, enough. Enough with that, Aiden. Just just quiet down over here, right? Uh, but anyway, now we are going to break down uh, – and not break down every single game. We are going to get to my biggest takeaways from every week game uh, from Week 10 in the NFL. So let's get to that. All right, so to start things off, we're going to start with Thursday Night Football. Raiders beating the Chargers 26-24. For the Raiders, they are a playoff contender. They've kind of solid they kind of solidified this uh with this win over the Chargers on Thursday Night Football. They went out on a primetime stage against yeah, not a great Chargers team, but went out and said, "Yes, we are here to win." Uh Eric Harris at the uh, safety, he had a great game. Happy for him. He's got a good story. Uh, kept tearing his ACL and whatnot. Worked at a potato factory. Now he's made his way into the NFL. Went off in this game. But for the Raiders, I mean, they went on national television. People were like, yeah, they're 4-4. Four and four, But how seriously can we take them? I don't think the tra- Raiders can come win the division. But they could be a wild card contender for sure. Especially in this weak AFC. And for the Chargers, uh, Phillip Rivers, it, it might be time to start thinking about that next quarterback. I think this was a wake-up call that they really need to start thinking about it. Their season's basically over at this point. I get it. Phillip Rivers was under a lot of pressure all night. He's behind two rookie offensive linemen, a very banged-up offensive line as well. It was, it was a tough night for Rivers, but he had some inaccurate throws. He did not look very good. I still think Phillip Rivers is one of the better quarterbacks in the NFL. Not top five by any means, but yeah, top ten, I think. Uh, he still leads the league in passing yards. Uh, but I expected a much better game for Philip Rivers against this week's secondary. But he kept turning the ball over. I know, again, a lot of pressure. He's not very mobile or anything like that. But they, this is just kind of a wake-up call to the Chargers front office. It might be time to start uh, thinking about that next quarterback. Uh, then we move over. I'll move over to Sunday Night Football. Vikings versus Cowboys. Vikings picking up a huge win on Sunday Night Football, 28-24. For the Vikings, this is one of their biggest wins in years. Really, especially for Kirk Cousins, he now is two and zero on primetime. Kirk Cousins, back when he, you know, at the beginning of the season, Kirk Cousins was pretty atrocious. I mean, you remember, yeah, that game like around like the Packers, you know, around that time they started off the season all right, but then you know you hit week three, week four, week five, week six. Around that time, he really struggled, and people were really questioning. And I said, yeah, here it is. And then he had one or two good weeks, and people said, oh, uh, Kirk Cousins. I mean, this guy, he's really good. And I said, I'm not hopping on this hype train one bit because I see this movie a thousand times. He plays well against these poor teams, not on, you know, in these one o'clock games against some bad teams and plays really well. And then he'll get into a primetime stage against a decent team and he doesn't play well at all. He played very well. Am I now all of a sudden going to hop on the Kirk Cousins hype train? No, 
No, I'm not at all. It's one game. I know now he's 2 0 in prime time. I know, but I, I want to see him really get that tough test. And especially like the playoffs. I may not hype on, uh, hop onto the Kirk Cousins hype train until the season's all said and done. It may take me that long. I need to see him play on a real stage against a real team. You no, know, Sunday football is a pretty big stage. Cowboys don't have a horrendous defense, but their defense isn't phenomenal. And I know this is a big game and all, but, like, I want to see them really get that big test. Like, I'm talking playoffs against a decent defense. Like, that's what I want to see until I really hop on uh, this Kirk Cousins type frame. For the Cowboys, uh, it's going to be tough for them. Uh, they're 5-4 and four now. Uh, it was just, a, for them, it was a mix of bad defense, bad play calling offensively. Uh, they couldn't get anything going with Zeke. Uh, Dak Prescott threw the ball well. Amari Cooper had a big game. So did Randall Cobb. Their pass game was going. Their run game was not. Uh, I don't think, though, it's going to be a problem. Like Zeke only had like seven fantasy points for me. Zeke will get things going eventually. Like It's one bad game. It's going to happen. So from the Cowboys, I don't panic about that. But they are 5-4, and four, and they need to really start winning some of these games. Their next game's at Detroit. Uh, in Detro- Not in Detroit. Yeah, they're at. Yeah, they are. Never mind. Uh, but they're going to have to win that game for sure. Uh, Packers win 24-16 against the Panthers. Uh, the Packers prove Lambeau is a tough place to play. I mean... I know you had the snow and whatnot, but they that was a very good game. Both teams played well. Uh, I really looked at it. I mean, Devontae Adams seemed to be uh, uh, play, you know, an impact. He was an impact for sure coming back. For the Panthers, Kyle Allen had a good fourth quarter. The Panthers played. That was one of the best losses you'll ever you'll really see all season. Like, they had a good loss. I know 16 points isn't great, but that was in the snow. It was going to be a low-scoring game. Packers defense has played well this year. Uh, Kyle Allen came in you know, at Lambeau in the snow, and he played well in that fourth quarter. And they didn't play great, but I give them credit for what they did. That's one of the better losses you'll see all year, if that makes any sense. Steelers beat the Rams 17-12. to Everyone said uh, the Steelers uh, may uh, – the Rams might be on upset alert this week, and whoever said that was correct. I considered picking the Rams uh, – the Steelers, but I went with the Rams in this one, not going to lie. Uh, but this Pittsburgh defense definitely what won them the game. Uh, the Rams didn't score one offensive touchdown. They scored on the first play of the game defensively. But for the Rams, I mean, they've just got to start really clicking offensively. Like, Jared Goff, like, Sean McVay's a smart coach, and he can figure out – like, last year he figured out ways to scheme around Jared Goff where he kind of, you know, get give him weapons and give him a comfortable um, – you know, system, but this season, Todd Gurley's been banged up. You've had to kind of manage him. Teams are starting to catch on to what you're doing, uh, and it's not helping. Jared Goff has really struggled this season. For the Steelers, again, their defense was deadly. They're definitely the reason the Steelers are winning these games. The Steelers, I mean, they're on wild card watch. They're now 5-4, and four, so keep an eye on them. Uh, and then you get the Dolphins and the Colts. The Dolphins winning two straight games. I am I'm not, besides a Patriots fan, I'm a Colts fan. I just don't know why. Uh, not like I'm a Patriots fan first, but then second team's the Colts, so I'm a little disappointed. They lose to the Steelers and the Dolphins. Please, you had a chance to really make a playoff push, and I know you didn't have Jacoby Brissett, but these past two weeks, it shows how much of an impact Jacoby Brissett really makes. Hoyer has really struggled. Uh, for the Dolphins, I give Brian Flores so much credit. Again, I said this earlier, but like, the what what he's done with this team. This is a team that walked in to the season as one of the worst teams in the NFL. They already had one of the worst talent, you know, least talented teams. And then you got guys like Minka Fitzpatrick requesting trades. So they, you know, they were already the least talented team in the NFL. Then they had to give up a few of their best players. Like no one wanted to be here. They had no talent whatsoever. Brian Flores was a first year head coach. 
and yeah, they've, they're only two and seven, and yeah, they've only won two games against the Jets and the Jacoby Brissett list Colts, but it takes a lot of heart. I mean, he's given these guys, like, they've been playing disciplined football. He's really got to these guys and really motivated and said, let's go. Let's go win some football games. And they've won two in a row. I give Brian Flores major props. And I know it's early. I'm not ready to say he's the next Bill Belichick or anything close to that. But at least we know he can be a motivator. Uh, and I want to see if he can continue to build off this. Uh, the Dolphins should finish with at least three wins this season. Uh, they got the Bengals coming up soon. And I expect them to at least win one more game somewhere here. So they should at least finish with three wins. And I'd say if they do that, this is a good season for them. For the Colts, they clearly need Jacoby Brissett. And they they need to start thinking about replacing Adam Vinatieri because he is he's a mess right now. I hate to say it. I love Vinatieri. But he's one of my Patriots. A few Super Bowls. Enough saying. All right. <laughs> Moving on. Jets beat the Giants 34-27. to uh, The Jets showed th- that, I mean... I don't know what to say. I don't want to say they showed inconsistency because it was a good win. But first of all, I'll just say Adam Gase kept his job because I would have fired him after last week's game loss against the Dolphins. The Giants decided to uh, stay, stick with them. They rallied around them, and they ended up beating the Giants. I know it's only the Giants, but Adam Gase, he whipped up a good game plan this week. He's on the hot seat, and he felt the pressure, and he whipped up a good game plan. So if I'm the Jets, I'm like, all right, you know what? You've, you've saved yourself for one more week, but that guy's a mess. I'm still not sold on him, uh, but I mean they showed like they're two and seven this season. Both wins have been very good. They beat the Cowboys and the Giants in two good games. Like when the Jets play good, they show like when the Jets play good, especially like in that Cowboys game is their best game. They look like a playoff team. When they play bad, they look like one of the worst in the league. So there's just got to be some consistency there. Like, how, just try to do something like this almost every week. Like this Jets team, if they played like this. Or like they did against the Cowboys, they could be a playoff team. But they had the same Darnold mono issue. Uh, but for the Giants, this is just a rough season. Daniel Jones didn't play too bad, but the Giants just have to get through this year. Get through this year. I you gotta aim for one more win, I guess. Uh, but they're heading into the bye week this week. You just gotta regroup. I think you gotta come out of the bye week firing. Their next game is gonna be at Chicago. Uh, so I think you've gotta win some game just to. Kind of you know, keep you guys a little happy, you know, motivate, you know, give Daniel Jones a little confidence. Jones played pretty well in this game, by the way. But to Saquon Barkley is horrible. But the Giants, they just need to, I think, escape this season with one, maybe just one or two more wins, honestly. You know, get three or four wins on the season, get out of this year, continue the rebuild process. Then we've got the Browns beating the Bills 19 to 16 instead of the Browns choking and losing themselves a game. Like, you know how they're always in these close games and they ended up, they always end up, you know, losing. Um, they always just find that way, you know, whether it's turnover or something. This year, this game, they found a way to win instead. Uh, it's a, it a low scoring game like most people expected. It's always a low scoring game with the Bills. Uh, but for Buffalo, I mean, you got to a hot start. And now all of a sudden they're six and three. The Buffalo Bills are still sitting in a pretty good spot in the wild card, but next week they're in Miami. I don't want to say it's an easy game. It should be uh, a win for the Buffalo Bills, but Miami's been playing decent these past two weeks. So the Bills, they just got to go into Miami and improve to seven and three because if they lose next week, now we got to start talking about you know where the Bills stand. They'll still be six and four. Luckily they got off to a good start, but you don't want to drop another game. Then we've got the Ravens destroying the Bengals. There was a ton of close games this week. This one wasn't 49 to 13. Lamar Jackson 
has really made a big MVP statement. After his win against the Patriots, before his win against the Patriots, people were considering him for MVP. After his win against the Patriots, a lot of people were like, all right, this guy's got a real case for MVP. Then he goes out and destroys the Bengals. He had that great run, too. Uh, the Ravens also the first team to have three Heisman winners in the backfield at once. Like, that was crazy. Uh, Lamar Jackson, RG3, and Mark Ingram, that was cool. Uh, but for the Ravens, I mean, they, they Lamar Jackson, I know, is a bang bad Bengals team, but he's really making a case for MVP. Personally, if the season ended today, the MVP, in my opinion, should be Russell Wilson. But Lamar Jackson making a, making a heavy case for himself. They've got Houston next week. If they can, if he can have a good game against Houston, he just if he can keep this ball rolling, I mean, he he's looking really good. Uh, for the Bengals, they were horrendous in this game. Zach Taylor's not looked good at all. They played uh, rookie quarterback Ryan Finley. Uh, and they played, you know, they played rookie quarterback Ryan Finley. They threw guys in like Jermaine Pratt and Drew Sample in this game. They threw in a lot of young guys. And it comes at a cost. Uh, you know, when the Bengals kind of sit here and say, yeah, we want to, you know, we're a young team. We're defeated on the season. We're just building up for the, you know, the future. Okay, you can do that and give some of these young guys experience. But as a cost, you know, here's the cost. You're going to get blown out and completely embarrassed. And it's clear the Bengals are willing to take that route. They're going to get a top pick. Uh, if I'm them, I, I don't want to say, you know, if they get the first overall pick personally, probably take Chase Young. But if all of a sudden, you know, I don't know, Ryan Finley's plays horrible too. I don't know, maybe you consider a quarterback or trading down. I don't know, but it sounds like Chase Young should be the guy to take. I'm not going to go that too far with that uh, yet, though. Uh, Buccaneers beat the Cardinals 30-27. to uh, the Bucks finally finished the game. You saw them. They didn't finish against the Giants. They didn't finish last week against the Seahawks. They finished this week against the Cardinals. I'm proud of them. Finally, finally, this team finishes. Kind of like the Browns. They always find ways to lose. But this week, they found a way to win. For the Cardinals, uh, I know it's been an actually decent season for the Cardinals. Uh, and here's why. First of all, they're in probably the toughest division in the NFL, one of them, and they've actually played decent. I don't know what their exact record is, but I know they've got a tie. They've got at least two wins. Uh, and not many people, many people expected this team to go somewhere between two to four wins. Uh, uh, it, I looked up Cardinals. It did the St. Louis Cardinals. Big fan of them, by the way. Kind of like the Colts for me. Um, but again, you're in a very tough division. No one expected you to do well at all. And not saying they've done good. They're 3-6-1. and one. Okay, people expected them to get somewhere between two wins and maybe four. They've already got three wins and a tie on the season. We still got six games left on the slate. Not only that, but their offenses look good. Like, Kyler Murray's looked decent this season. The offense looks like it's functioning pretty well, and they've got something there. Like, Cliff Kingsbury, I was not a fan of him. I'm still not a huge fan of his, but he's he's looked decent so far as a coach. Bears beat the Lions 20-13. Uh, Mitchell Trubisky uh, kind of keeps his reputation alive a little bit here. I know that wasn't a very good Lions defense he was facing. They've struggled a little bit lately. You know, the Lions offense wasn't very good without Matt Stafford. That's my take for the Lions. They just need Matt Stafford. Uh, but for the Bears, Mitchell Trubisky's earned himself the job for one more week, at least. I said this is... I say going to this week, if I'm the Bears, I say, Mitch, if you don't play well this week, you are sitting for at least two weeks, and you're sitting down at the clipboard, watching film, something's got to click, we don't want to ruin you, because Mitchell Trubisky isn't ruined yet, he isn't, he's still got some potential there, it'll never be Patrick Mahomes or Sean Watson from his draft class, he's just not going to beat them out, but 
he can at least be a decent quarterback. They've got to, first of all, I think the Bears, they've just got to figure out some things with them, some mental issues, I think. It's just something going on, and they got to help his accuracy out a little. He's got to become more accurate. Also, support him with some more weapons. He's not very accurate, and his receivers aren't getting a ton of separation really outside of Allen Robinson. The run game's been a little inconsistent. They've got to support him a little as well. Uh, in Matt Nagy, I just think, you know, personally, if I'm him, I'm starting much more risky again. They got the Rams on Sunday night football, which isn't a great spot to put him in. Uh, but the Bears last year, they they did pretty well against the Rams. They beat the Rams. The game played well for the Rams. Mr. Trubisky, if you didn't play well this game, I would have sat you down for Chase Daniel or whoever, but you did play well. You've earned yourself the job for at least one more week. Congratulations. Uh, Falcons beat the Saints. This was a big upset, 26-9. The Falcons come out of their bye week and win their second game of the season. Uh, the Falcons were just generating a good, great pass rush on – not even good, great pass rush on Drew Brees. Uh, the down, really the downside of this performance was the Austin Hooper got banged up, and he's kind of week to week now. He's been probably the best tight end in the NFL this season. No one wants to talk about it except for me because he's on my fantasy team. Uh and I love Austin Hooper, and I love that uh, Falcons passing attack. Uh, Matt Ryan, I'm a Matt Ryan fanboy. hate to say it, but um, I just don't know why. I just like him as a quarterback. Uh, but 26 points ain't too bad on that Saints defense, but the Falcons defense really did play really well. Uh, and for the Saints, they've just got to start uh, executing a little better. It's one week, really, so I, I still think the Saints had the best chance to get out of the NFC and make it to the Super Bowl. Uh, obviously, so far, I think teams like, you know, the Seahawks, I'd probably power rank higher because they beat them and they have the same record. The 49ers, obviously the Packers, so few teams, but still Saints are my favorites to come out of the NFC for now, but this was not a very convincing game. They need to start getting off the quicker starts. They need to just execute a little better, just things like that, but it's one game. I think we all have, all have those hiccups sometimes. Tight, another upset. Titans beat the Chiefs 35-32. to 32. Uh, The Titans... It's clear you just need to run the offense through Derrick Henry. I know everyone wants to talk about how Tannehill had this great week, and I know they're only facing the Chiefs' defense and their trash and whatnot, but still, they've shied away from Derrick Henry for some reason. Henry's no Saquon Barkley or anything, but he's still a decent running back in the league. And I remember, like, uh, last week or something, they only gave it to him two times in the first half. This is why you've got to give him the ball. It opens up your stagnant pass game, and Derrick Henry is their best choice offensively, and it's not an ideal thing to say. Derrick Henry is your number one option offensively, but he is, and they've got to live with the reality of it, and when he runs the ball well, it really opens things up for that offense, and for the Chiefs, they need to figure things out. They've got some problems offensively. You're letting up 35 to the Tennessee Titans or Ryan Tannehill. You've got some issues, okay? You've got some issues. I think they just – it's going to cost them. I, it's a, it, their defense is a fatality for them. It was last year. It is this year. I don't see the Chiefs making it to the Super Bowl this year. They've got a great offense, but and their special teams is good. I know they struggled this week, but overall I like Harrison Butker and what they've got there. Their defense is a fatality. It's going to be the reason if they don't make the Super Bowl, they lose in the playoffs because they're going to make it to the playoffs. 
They're going to lose in the playoffs, and the reason being is going to be that defense. We know Patrick Mahomes can play in the uh, playoffs. Their fatality is their defense, and maybe second it might be Andy Reid. But the biggest one is their defense. And then the last game I'm going to get to, Monday Night Football, Seahawks beat the 49ers 27-24. Not to brag, I predicted the Seahawks would win this game 27-24. Uh, for the Seahawks, it was a poor start. And they got things going in the second half. Uh, Russell Wilson, he's my MVP again. I know Tyler Lockett got hurt in this game. Uh, but, no, I mean, Russell Wilson, uh, he he's carrying this team on his back. All of a sudden now we've got a serious race for the NFC West. And it doesn't include the Rams, shockingly. It's going to go down to the Seahawks and the 49ers. And for the 49ers... You still played well. I don't panic about the 49ers. You're eight and one now. You still have a very good. You've had a very good season, uh, and you just barely lost. Jimmy G, though, he needs to play better. I mean, just the amount of turnovers. He easily could have thrown four picks last night. He only threw one, and it shouldn't have even. It wasn't really even his fault, ironically. Uh, but the defense for the 49ers looked really good. Again, your backup kicker missed the game winner. It was it was a game where the 49ers definitely made some costly mistakes that lost them the game, and it wasn't a great game. Really, it was a good game. I think the 49ers still played well, but they made some costly mistakes that cost them this game, kind of like Bama. But again, just like Bama, I mean, Bama actually has some worries because it's so hard to make it to the college football players. So for the Niners, yeah, you made some costly mistakes, but you still hung in there with one of the best teams in the NFL, uh, and you still played a good game. It's your first loss of the year. Don't sweat it. Uh, but that is my – it's going to wrap up today's episode, actually. But that's my biggest takeaway from every game from Week 10 in the NFL. Uh, so I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Again, go call, uh, follow my Instagram at After the Builder Sports Talk, all lowercase, no spaces. Again, that's at After the Builder Sports Talk, all lowercase, no cases. No spaces for podcast updates and uh, – Sports content, also go calling on the Anchor mobile app with any takes you have, anything you want to get to, anything you want to debate me about. Uh, so anyway, that's going to wrap up today's episode. I hope you guys enjoyed. Thank you for listening, and I hope to see you guys next time.